Hello and welcome to episode three of the Long Shot Podcast. Uh, it's officially a trilogy and we are here and we're back again. We're back. We are back. I think we've uh, had some feedback that maybe we need to work on our intro, Dunk. I, I think the hello and welcome has some legs, but I just, I'm going to ask you to bring a little more energy. That, that's a, that can be done. That can be worked in. Um, as we've discussed many times on this podcast, that it's still a, a, a work in progress and that it's far from a finished product. So, uh, you know, I was more expecting the constructive criticism to come from listeners and viewers, not my own co-host. I thought we'd kind of be be in this together, you know, in the trenches together, but that's okay. Um, I'm relaying, I'm relaying feedback. Fair enough. Uh, episode three. Also, we are recording on uh, Tuesday, I believe it is the 26th, uh, which marks the one-year anniversary of the passing of Kobe, um, also his daughter Gigi, and seven others uh, in the, the tragic uh, helicopter accident that we've all now come to to remember. Um, I'll certainly never forget where I was when I first heard the news, um, but just wanted to to commemorate him by just acknowledging, you know, the the one year of, of all of their passing uh, and obviously the impact that that he left on all of sports, but particularly the basketball world. Yeah, I think, you know, you're you're closer to this than I am, obviously, but from afar, it's just amazing to see all of the support uh, and, and, you know, well wishes and rest in peace and all that that's all over social media from people that knew Kobe really well, but also people that didn't know him at all. It just shows the impact that he had on everyone. And, and I think that's just, it's, it's really special. Yeah, I, I never had the opportunity, obviously, to compete against him or ever meet him. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I, one of the reasons why I hold Kobe so near and dear to my heart is that particularly at a younger age, he it was almost as if he made being obsessed over something something that was really cool and acceptable um and that you know when i was young and growing up and falling in love with basketball and wanting to spend all these hours in the gym it was somebody it was like a uh an example of of what that really looked like at the highest level in that if you were to be able to do that and sustain that over time, obviously I was never going to be Kobe Bryant to that level, but I could master something, you know, I I could master what I believe to be my craft the same way that everybody saw him master his craft over, you know, his, his tenure in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Mamba mentality. I saw that all over Twitter today. And I think that continues to be a message that people are going to push is, is Mamba mentality. Um, so I want to, uh, ask we're now like you said we're on trilogy we're on this is episode three are you how, how we feeling how we feeling now that we've uh we talked to alex earlier today so we're you know kind of wrapping up episode three now where's your comfort level if we had to look back on the last three how we feel uh, uh we're rolling so far we're getting there um you know definitely it's starting to normalize a little bit having my own podcast i've i've felt an outpour of support uh, even from, for example, in, in the hotel when we were on the road, one of the uh, the hotel workers acknowledged that I now have a podcast, which I was appreciative of. That he was a Whoa. listener. Uh, so we, you know, I don't really know how many listeners we have exactly. You know, I don't I don't get that type of analytical feedback. I think that's more more your world, or maybe you don't have that information either. But I know I for don't. sure that we have somebody that is working in the JW Marriott in Tampa Bay that listens. And um, hey, that's enough. Honestly, yeah. So, so Sean, I can't remember your name, but uh, appreciate appreciate you at least tuning in. Um, but no, I, I think the comfort level is growing. 
every interview, every episode. Uh, and I think it'll just continue to develop over time. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So like you said, you were just in a hotel, you were on a long road trip. I'm curious now with COVID protocols, what does that look like? You guys were on the road for a week, I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not allowed to really leave your hotel at all other than yeah. to get tested. So what's that look like? What are you doing to pass the time? How is your mental health in that week? It's it's definitely a challenge. Uh, you know, One of my favorite things about the travel in the NBA was that I would always go out to dinner in the cities. Um, sometimes I, I would literally just go out by myself. Sometimes I'd go with teammates. Um, my favorite was when I had a friend in the city that I could connect with, somebody that I normally wouldn't get to see, um, and we would able you know go out and grab a bite. So that now obviously is is not happening. Um, basically, we're just in our hotels, and you use any excuse to, <laughs> you can to get out. You know, we had like an optional shoot around uh, one of the days, and and just just whatever you can whatever you can find to get out of those four walls, because I've learned that, uh, you know, being surrounded by the same four walls, I think everyone's probably learned it in some extent in quarantine, uh, just with everything going on, but it's certainly a challenge. And, you know, coach Spo always preaches to us the importance of, if you're going to be in your room all day, at least challenging yourself or, or exercising your mind in some way reading. So I've been trying to read more, uh, do different things instead of just, you know, sitting on my phone or watching Netflix. So, you saying that just reminded me of a story I want to quickly tell. You trying to link up with friends in cities when you're on the road takes me back to your two-way year where you were bouncing back and forth from the heat in Sioux Falls and you played at the Garden in New York City. And this was early in the season. Oh, yeah. like this was one of your first games up with the heat. And I happened to be in New York City. So we tried to connect after the game, but it was a late game. So I think you weren't ready to meet up until like midnight and you guys had lost and you got to play a little bit and you felt like you didn't play that well. Yeah. So we were trying to connect and we ended up meeting at Tau, right? Yeah. So basically it was exactly that. We, we play the Knicks. Uh, we lose to the Knicks. We have a night, we stay over the night in, in New York and the next day we have an off day. It's a Saturday night in New York, mind you. Uh, we get back to the hotel super late. I actually went and grabbed dinner uh, with Ryan Anderson. We just grabbed dinner quickly. And then I was going to meet up with you and another friend of ours. And you guys were at Tao, the restaurant Tao, mind you. Yeah, the yeah, restaurant, yeah. yeah, right, right. The right. restaurant Tao. Um, so I catch an Uber over there. I think it was like a l maybe a little past midnight. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm texting you like, I don't know guys, like, I think I should just go back and go to sleep. And you're like, no, no, come on. Like, come on through whatever. So I'm like, all right, fine. So I pull up to Tal, I get out of the Uber. I randomly see a, a staff member of ours, our shooting coach walking a, a, a block across, across the street. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Like a good thing. I kind of missed him. I can just kind of stay anonymous. Um, and then I walk downstairs into Tao, the restaurant, mind you, once again. The restaurant. And the entire Miami Heat coaching staff is walking out of Tao. And <laughs> I am absolutely mortified. I'm so embarrassed that in my first year, I'm basically the optics of what it looks like is that I'm like having a night out on the town. <laughs> I'm sure to them. I'm literally like the most innocent thing in the world. I'm going to see my friends. We're going to like basically, you know, drink water and catch up, like just the most innocent thing in the world. And I am so embarrassed to be seeing them 
they ask me like, hey Duncan, what's up? They don't think anything of it. Like, hey Duncan, what's up? And I don't, I literally don't even know what to say. I freeze. <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, I'm just going to see my friends. And they're like, dude, we we didn't even ask. Like, we don't care. <laughs> like, it was just so hard for me to wrap my mind around that. I go and sit down and have dinner with you guys, and I'm a mess. I'm like, dude, I, this is over. Like, I'm gonna get cut. They don't think I take my work seriously. This is it. Uh, we're done. We had a good run, you know. <laughs> I I played a couple games for the Heat, and, and that's it. Um, and yeah, I was just in absolute shambles. I will never forget the look on your face when you walked in, because you're right. We were drinking water, sitting at the table waiting for you, and you came in like a deer in the headlights. I you sat down and you said exactly. You were like, uh, guys, I think I should leave. I don't think I should be here. I just saw the whole coaching staff. They think I'm partying. Like you were freaking out. And we tried to talk you down the or, or off the ledge. We were like, hey, they're here too. Like what, you know, it's fine. This is what NBA guys do, I think. You know, we don't know. We're not in the league. But <laughs> I just remember trying to calm you down and you being so worried. Because you're right. It was There was no foul play involved, but you were None. worried about the optics. It, it's tough because I came from a program in Michigan where – everything was micromanaged. You know, we had check-ins, we had bedtime, you, know, you had to be in your room. And this, the world of like, the, the freedom that comes with the NBA was like such a foreign concept to me. So I, I felt like I had broken curfew. There's no curfew in the NBA. Like it's grown <laughs> men. But like I, I couldn't wrap my mind around that. And then the other side of it was, of course, Chris Quinn, who's obviously on our staff, but also, you know, a, a close friend of mine, at that point realized that I was freaking out about it. And the next day we're getting on the plane and he stops me as I'm walking by him and the whole staff is right there again. And he's like, he's like, what's up, Duncan? Like, you don't take your career seriously. What? You're just going to, you're just going to go out partying the night before. Like what? I'm like, well, it it was an off day. Like I'm like stuttering. I, I was just seeing my friends. Like we weren't doing anything. He's like, he's like, dude, relax. Like I'm just giving you a hard time. Like (laughs) nobody cares. (laughs) But to the point where like, I remember the next morning after running into them, calling my mom and being like, mom, like this might be it. Like I might get cut. Like (laughs) we had a good run. Like it's over. Um, but it's just so funny. Like I was just so, it's just sensitive. Like I, I was just so concerned about like that I needed to come across as this like incredibly hard worker and that I was handling all my business and I wasn't, you know, I never was, you never needed to worry about any of that off the court stuff. Um, but yeah, just, just a funny story. I appreciate you bringing that up. That was like a, a nightmare, um, of, of a night in New York city. Yeah. Look at you now. Um, all right. A couple quick things that I saw in the news this week that I want to get your reaction on first is, Word on the street is that American Airlines Arena in Miami is going to start using dogs to detect COVID because I think so fans are going to start coming to games in Miami, 2000 maybe. So limited capacity still. Uh, And they're saying that they have trained dogs who are going to screen people entering the arena. These dogs are trained to smell COVID. What do you think about that? COVID sniffing dogs. I, uh, I actually had the early scoop on this about a month back. And I sent it to our group chat and you guys all thought it was a joke. So I <laughs> I am certainly getting the last laugh on this one. Um, supposedly they're 94% accurate. I don't know where the 94 comes in. I don't know how they have the scientific research to support that. Um, but that's what I've heard. So, you know, maybe maybe this is a trend-setting thing that, that the, the Heat are now doing and that the entire league soon will be full of COVID-sniffing dogs. I hope that it does if that means more fans can come. 
here's my question, and I don't mean to uh, demean the the effort here because I think it's important to make sure that people with COVID aren't coming into the arena. But 94% efficiency or accuracy means that there are people who are going to get, uh, you know, accused of having COVID that might not have it and then not get to come to the game. That's, that might be a, an issue that we face. I'm not in charge of it. So, uh, I don't have a solution, but just a, you know, just a concern. Well, it's, it's a risky run, you know, Dave, we're in a, we're in a global pandemic, you know, not everything's going to be perfect. Uh, if, if there's six out of a hundred people that maybe get falsely screened as having COVID, that's, that's how it goes. Maybe they get correctly screened of having COVID and that helps stop the spread. Maybe, maybe these dogs are saving lives. I, I seem to think that they are. All right. Fair. I'll give that one to you. All right. Next thing I want to, uh, congratulate you on is there are rumors. I don't know if this is confirmed, but there are rumors that you're included in the 60-player pool for Team USA for the upcoming Olympics. That's incredible. So again, congratulations. Just, I think, what an honor that you're even considered. Well, the, the congratulations seems premature if, if they're just rumors. Um, I'm, I'm unwilling at this point to confirm or deny uh, whether or not they're true. So I think we can just kind of move forward. Uh, our first ever long shot feature is right now the first ever we had a bunch of submissions really good ones really appreciate all the participation uh our first long shot feature is tyler so let me tell you a little bit about tyler at 21 years old and what was this two years ago you said not even a year maybe yeah maybe the last year Year, uh, i don't know is in the last couple of years at 21 years old tyler was 300 pounds and working for a fast food restaurant One night, he woke up in the middle of the night with health issues and decided he needed to make a life change, and that he did. He changed his diet, started going to the gym every single day, and regained his love for basketball, which I just love to hear. Uh, And through this, this work, consistent, diligent work, he's now down to 160 pounds in less than a year, I think. Damn, yep, yep. And... It doesn't stop there. He's actually playing in an amateur basketball league in Poland. He, yeah. he, the love of the game. And he, and he sent us pictures uh, with his yes. story. And he looks like a hooper. He, I think he even sent a stat line. 20 points, four or five threes. Love it. Wow. You, you just love to see that type of perseverance. Uh, certainly a long shot to go from 300 pounds to now serving not fries but serving buckets to all those people over there in poland uh shout out to tyler for that one uh our next segment we got is of course the reddit question of the day we got some mixed we got a mixed bag of feedback uh for the the van fleet kyle lowry so i think we're going to take a little bit more serious of a tone for this one we might dive into something a little bit more quirky in the future but for this one going to be a little bit more serious what do we got dave yeah, th- this was a point of contention between us. I was a big fan of the hypothetical two guys standing on each other's shoulders. Some people weren't. That's all right. I, you know, we figured it was going to be a little bit polarizing. We got to we got to uh, test the water a little bit. Yeah, but stick your toe in. All right, we got a good one this week. Uh, this comes from Explorer one seven one five six on NBA Reddit, and he asks or she asks. What's the most goosebumps-inducing NBA moment for you? So I'm curious to get your take on this because this could be as a player or as a fan. Is there one that stands out above the rest? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna put my fan hat on for a second. Um, and also, given that today, like we had said, is the the one year anniversary of, of Kobe's passing, I'm gonna say Kobe's last game in Staples against the Jazz uh, to go for sixty like that. I remember watching that and just being like, every time he touched the ball, it, it was like the ultimate can't miss TV. It's like what, what's gonna happen next? And of course, you literally could not write a better script of how just an absolute legend like him um, could end his his NBA career. So I just remember watching that and just being glued to the TV and just like having goosebumps of like, wow, this is really happening. Yeah. Uh, when I was thinking of this question, that is certainly one moment that came to mind. There were a couple. Uh, I'm going to go Clay's 37 and a quarter. I was... Mm. I went back and watched this morning. I went back and watched those highlights on YouTube. And there's a specific moment where he hits a corner three, a tough corner three for 32 in the quarter. And the the Kings weren't calling timeouts through this stretch. Yeah. So he just got so hot. He just kept hitting shots, kept hitting shots. When he hit the three for 32, they finally called a timeout. And players, both on the Kings and the Warriors, like I remember Steph and Draymond just standing under the basket hands on their head, like looking up at the sky, like what is happening? It just, it was amazing to see professional basketball players react the same way that fans were just like, this is insane. No one had ever seen anything like it. 37 and a quarter, just remarkable. Yeah. Unfortunately, my, uh, my Michigan brother in, in Nick Stauskas was on the receiving end, I think of <laughs> at least 20 of those. Yeah, um, but I mean, no, to no fault of his, I mean, that guy was just in a different sort of zone. Correct. We we get into this a little bit with uh, Alex, but there are certain guys that when you guard, you can do a great job defensively. You can do everything you're supposed to do, and offense just sometimes is too good. Exactly. And that's a best, perfect example of that. They're the best players in the world for a reason. Not much you can do. Just be solid and and you know try to make a miss, but after you do that, hope that they miss. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got. I want to get to our conversation with Alex, but before we do, I, I, I'm curious, Dunk, if you had to describe the discussion we had with him in one word, what would it be? I got inspirational. You know, uh, Caruso is very fitting for this podcast. Uh, a great second guest, his story, everything he stands for. Um, I, I think you guys will really enjoy the conversation. Because that's what I think it is. I don't think it's an interview. I think it's a conversation. So uh, inspirational would be my, my word to describe our discussion with Alex. Couldn't agree more. So we'll get to our inspirational discussion with Alex. Super lucky to have Alex Caruso, a College Station hometown hero, 2016 All-SEC and SEC All-Defensive Team, 2018 All-NBA G League, uh, 2020 NBA Champion. I'm uh, reluctant to, to say that one. The Caruso clothing brand creator, and of course, LA cult icon, Alex Caruso here with us. Thank you for joining us, man. That's that's a full spectrum intro right there. We appreciate y'all having me, man. Yeah, no, we uh, we try to touch all the bases um, on the intro, you know, both. I just on. want to put an asterisk on one of those, though. You know, it says all SEC defensive uh, team it should have been defensive player of the year. We won't talk about it. Oh. Snub. Uh, Wait, was that was that a uh, was that faulty research or was it was no, that no, no, accurate research, but faulty voters? You know, I think there was uh, some bias. A couple Kentucky players got got some uh, awards that year, you know. 
Mm, whatever. I, yeah, I, I know how that goes. You, you can see I still hold that close to my chest. As you should, as you should. Yeah. Um, hey, so I, I actually, I want to take first the listeners back to when we actually first met, um, which was back in Santa Monica. I believe it was 2016. Uh, yep. You were in your pre-draft. I was... Yeah in my just finished my sophomore year of college and actually funny enough davis was out there as well so davis and i had a had a personal connection with the trainer noah laroche uh davis was like shagging rebounds for you all summers basically you don't remember him no it's true i I don't dude i don't oh you were there with integrity yeah i basically served as a cone like my job was to rebound and just stand there and act like everybody's got their role you know a hundred percent i would also like to point out we're all the same age on this call we're all 26 but like Duncan said, you had just graduated from AM and Duncan had like six more years of college at this point. <laughs> you know what, man? I I, uh, I took my time with it. Getting the most out of the experience. Exactly, dude. Good things take time. Um, but anyway, so so I get out there. I'm like, I'm super nervous to be out there because it's a bunch of basically NBA players or soon to be NBA players. And uh, one of the most comforting things was you were just super friendly, like right from the jump. Um, it meant a lot. It made me feel like, all right, you know, maybe I could do this. And then the first drill, we're literally like warming up. You go baseline and you go between your legs and dunk it reverse backwards in any level of comfort of like, oh, th- I could do this. Just like completely demand. Like the one guy that I thought I was like kind yeah. of maybe like I'm close to yeah, yeah. just had this like <laughs> otherworldly athleticism. And meanwhile, I'm just like shooting corner threes, like trying to That's get my shot off. Dude, I don't remember the baseline dunk, but I don't, I don't doubt it. You know, it was pre-draft. So it was, if it was first day, you know, I was probably juiced up too. I was probably hyped. I was excited to, to get in there and see what it was all about. Uh, dude, the Santa Monica days were great though. Uh, they really I, I were. Didn't know anybody. That was the thing. Like I knew, I knew, uh, I knew George Yang a little bit, um, just from playing against him one game in college and, and even the bonus a little bit, just one game in college. But, uh, I really didn't know anybody, man. And for me, like, that was kind of my whole, like, growing up, I would go to camps or I'd go to, like, random AAU events and, like, only know a couple people. And I'm like, well, all right, I'm just going to be friendly and hopefully someone, like, accepts, wants to, like, talk back and and, and go from there. So how much I, – I just want to ask, like – Clearly, I, I've already described where my mental was at that point, which was I was—I knew I was not ready to be an NBA player, which was good that I, I could go back to college. For you at that point, where were you at in terms of – I know you probably thought that, that you were capable of playing in the NBA, but like, where was your mental at at that point in your career? Just finishing up, you obviously had a big-time career at Texas A&M, and you guys were great. You guys won a lot of games. and mm-hmm. um, I think at that point, you were probably fringe, maybe getting drafted. You weren't quite sure, but – it's just interesting to see how far you've come from from that point. But where were you mentally at that point in your in your career? Man, to be honest, I was just taking it day by day. Like I think I was so naive to understanding how good I was at the time compared to other guys versus like how good I thought I could be. Um, I I don't think you know. Looking back now, it's easy to see that you know my ceiling's a lot higher than than I thought maybe or or other guys that were in the draft that I was playing against ceilings weren't as high. Uh, but, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really have any expectations with it. And I think that's why I had so much success uh, in the long run, you know, because I never really put, I didn't put myself in a box as far as like, okay, I can't do this. I can't do that. Um, I kind of just went out and it's really 
to this day, it's like my same motto is like, I'm just going to go play as hard as I can and play as best I can. And, and wherever the, the, you know, wherever the, the cards fall is, is where they fall. And that's kind of what it is. So, you know, going through that pre-draft process, uh, that was the first time truly, like I never did any like skill development growing up. Right. Like I did a little bit, like you did it in college, like during the summer, you'd, you'd be there for summer school and go through like your, your normal stuff. But like, I, I never did any, drills like that I never really like put time into skill development I always just played like I I grew up I just hooped like I'd find eight guys six guys ten guys and just roll the ball out and and go play uh, at the park or something so going into that was like the first time with the integrity hoops and knowing all them like working on my body and like doing yoga and having like shakes afterwards and like being mindful of all this stuff so for me it was a really dope experience just to like realize like okay this is what i get to do for like a living now like this is this is gonna be sweet so a couple things first i was making those shakes so i hope that they were enjoyable yeah, uh, i'm not gonna lie they, they were a little off-putting the first time i drank them they were a little a little a little too healthy i wasn't used to that that level of health but i got used to them i got used to them yeah my job was just to make them purely for recovery taste was not a factor that, at all that's a hundred percent accurate I'm curious though to hear you say that. That's fascinating to me. Like you hadn't done skill work like that or yoga or like did you know that was that summer a turning point for you and like oh okay this can help me take my game to another level. Yeah, we had done I mean we had done bits and pieces of it in college, you know, but like I said it was really just during the off season like during the summer for your 4 to 6 weeks whatever your each each summer school session would be. Um outside of that like I didn't really know that's like what you're supposed to do like to get better. I thought you just naturally like got better as you got older. I was like, that's just how it happens. Like you either get better or you don't. You, you, that's what it is. So um, it was really, I mean, it was really eye opening for me just to, like you said, just to realize like, okay, like I could tell in that month that I worked out there, I was like, well, I've gotten better since, since I've been here. And like, this is like, this is like, I'm, I'm a very curious guy. Like, I want to know why stuff happens. I want to know how it works, why we do it, how it's going to play out. And so for me, like figuring out in that month, like, okay, this is, I did A, B, and C, and, and it led to these results. I was like, okay, well, now I'm I'm kind of like intrigued. I'm hooked. Uh, and yeah, it really helped me moving forward. And, and, you know, the longer I've been a professional, the better I've been at being a professional, you know, getting my work in, making sure I'm in shape in the off season, making sure that I'm cognizant of what I'm putting in my body, um, getting recovery, you know, all the little things that go into being a pro. For sure. Um, I, I think just hearing you say that, obviously I, I had a, a G league experience in, in my first year. And what I've really learned from, from the G league is that there's so much opportunity there, but so much of it is, is how you approach it. And every opportunity that you get and on the day in day out it's like a true separator of like all right who's who's going to be a professional and handle their business because when you get when you get an mba it's like the resources and the coaching staff it's almost to the point where you don't even have a choice like they're going to make sure that you handle your business and if you don't you're not going to be there exactly but the g league is different you might have three Mm -hmm. people on staff you know so your your video coordinator is also doing your workouts and everything in between so it's like I'm curious as to how much you saw that mindset create a competitive advantage for you when it came to your G League experience, particularly in your first year before the two-way when it was just, you know, OKC Blue, you know, showing up every single day trying to prove yourself in your first year as a pro. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the, I mean, one of the, the crazy things about that is I really just let my like natural competitiveness kind of drive that, you know, like every day I just went in and just competed with whatever it was. And a lot of times it was just against myself, right? It's like, I'm going to see how like, I'm, I'm, I don't feel like working out today. It's like, all right, no, you're going to work out today. Like you're, you're, you're going to do more than you're actually going to like originally do because you didn't feel like working out today. And, uh, you know, I think I was lucky landing in OKC, like you said, just because, uh, they, I mean, they, they have one of the best G league organizations in my opinion, um, top to bottom, you know, the way that they do their player development, the, the setup they have for the players with housing, with the facility where you have access to it, whenever you want to go in and get, get shots in, that's not a thing that, you know, every G league team has like some, some people have a rec gym or a, 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 yeah, a gym somewhere where they have a time slot and they can only be in there at that time. And like, I was able to go in whenever I wanted, um, to do that. And, and I mean, the G league, man, one of the biggest things I think people get caught up in the G league, uh, cause there's, so there's a lot of talent in the G league, right? Like I, I know I've played against people that, that are more talented than me in the G league. Um, but you know, they might not have had that grit, that, that, that toughness to work themselves out of that one or two years in the G league and make it to the, to the NBA. Uh, it's just like self-awareness, man. You know, like you, you're in the G league for a reason. You know, like once you can you can drop your ego and realize like, hey, I'm not in the NBA for a reason. What do I need to do to get there? What am I good at? What do I need to get better at? Yeah, it's simple as that. It's it's a super unique league, too, in that it, it's you said it. I mean, it's full of so much talent, like the amount of talent that it's in. I, I think that it's it could be argued that it's the second most talented league. It's probably not the second best just because you, you of, can make an argument for, for most talented. Yeah. Second most. Talented. Yeah. But, but what's interesting is that nobody actually wants to be there, which is, is crazy to, to, to hear that. But the reality is like, everybody's trying to get to the next level, but yeah. you're writing that there's a disconnect of like yeah. how to do that. You know, it's crazy. You know, it's crazy that you say those exact words is we used to talk about that in Oklahoma city and in, uh, and in South Bay, you know, after you have a game where you, you don't play hard or you go out and you just, you're flat and you give up like 130, 40 points to some, some team you probably shouldn't. I remember having like specific conversations out loud with my teammates and, uh, even sometimes with, with the coaches, it's like, none of us, this isn't the end destination. Like people, people go to the G league and, and you get caught up, you know, because it is, it is treacherous still. Like it's so many games, so many hard travel days. Like it's just some, some dark times that you forget that there's an, like there's a goal in sight. Like there's somewhere down the, down the road that you're trying to get to. Like nobody, nobody makes it to the G league and they're like, nice. Like, this is like, I've made it like coaches, coaches are trying to make it to the NBA, trying to make it overseas jobs, you know, trying to get experience. And the same thing with players, like nobody is there to, to have that be their final destination. And, that, that's what trips a lot of guys up is that they get in this rut of just being there and thinking that eventually they're going to be, you know, move on somewhere. But a lot of it is, you know, it depends on how much work you put in and, and you know, the situation. So that makes me think that, and this is a question for both of you because you both were then two-way guys. Is there just, it's such a different environment all of a sudden, right? So like I imagine with the G League, you're now the big man on campus in a sense. It's like you're starting to get out and people look at you that way a little bit, but then it could be the next night you get called up and you go to the Lakers or the heat 
and it's the complete opposite. You're the bottom Last of the totem pole. The roster. Yeah, so those environments are just so drastically different. How does your mental change in each, and is it hard to sort of switch on and off? Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the two-way contract was, was a way for me to kind of, uh, you know, get used to that. Um, just because like you said, like when I was, I was like all second, second team, all G league, my, my first year at South Bay. And then when I went up with the big team, I would get DNPs, you know, maybe get like spot minutes here or there. And then towards the end of the year, I would start playing because guys would be out or the, the team wasn't where it was supposed to be in the playoff picture. But yeah, I, I talked about that a lot with, uh, LA media, just about, you know, flipping my 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 mental approach every time I'm, I'm with a different team because when I'm with South Bay I, I'm more of a leader more vocal uh have the ball a lot more take more shots like all that kind of stuff and then you know you get called up and I got guys like Jean Rondo and LeBron James on my team it's like I'm I'm gonna take a back seat to those guys like they know more than me they they they're they're a little better at basketball like I'm gonna see what I can learn from them so uh it was tough though you know, like balancing that dynamic of, of, you know, being one of the leaders, being one of the, the, the first guys, you know, first guys that everybody talks about on the scouting report to, you know, somebody who gets forgotten about. Uh, it was it was a challenge for sure. Yeah, I, I uh, just going off of that, I totally relate to that. Um, the challenge comes in, in that mental shift in that. And I, I only I had to do it for one year. But what, what I tried to do was all right, if I'm going to be in Miami, I'm just going to try to learn as much as possible. And like, I'm probably not going to get many reps. I'm probably not going to play at all, but it's like, how can I just mentally gain an edge and, and really learn what it takes to like get on the floor at this level. And yeah. then I actually love, I don't know about you, but like, I loved going down and playing in the G league where like you could play through mistakes and you could like showcase, like mm -hmm. I'm capable, you know, like I'm improving, yeah. I'm getting better. Um, and that's something that I, I really noticed with you. I remember playing you uh, Summer League. My first year of Summer League, you played with the Lakers in Sacramento. We played you guys. And I played – I had first met you in 2016, and then that was 2018. Yeah. And to see how much you had improved since then. And it wasn't so much that, like, you know, you were, like – dominating from a statistical standpoint but like you you controlled the game and i think yeah. that that's one thing that's really important when people look at g league players is is this type of stuff translatable and for you it's like you had a very very specific you know like i i saw a vision of, of what you could be um and i obviously the the lakers did too but it was just crazy for me to see you in 2016 and then see you in 2018 and see how much you had grown um and i gotta i gotta imagine a, a large amount of that should probably be accredited to the south bay lakers staff or, or or where do you think that 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 really comes from obviously yourself i mean you you deserve all the credit for the work but, but bit, to put bit. you in those to put you in those types of situations i mean yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I, I talked OKC up earlier. I think I, I got really fortunate with the two situations as far as, you know, being with Oklahoma City's G League team, the Blue, and then being with the South Bay Lakers because I think, you know, those two organizations were – I obviously don't have anything else to compare it to from the outside looking in, but those two, those two run their G League systems phenomenally uh, as far as, like, player development, um, coaching staffs, having, uh, you know, guys that, that – want you to get better that have an interest in like helping you. 
Um, and then also, man, it's just, you know, it's just getting used to it. Like, like I said earlier, man, I'm, I'm really curious to like how stuff works, why stuff works, especially with basketball, man. I just love hoops. You know, I, I just love playing basketball. I love watching basketball, talking hoops. Um, and it's kind of been like that every level of my life with basketball, like high school, I played, uh, I played varsity my freshman year. didn't play a lot. We weren't very good, but like the more I played, the more I get used to the game and the style of play, like from high school to college to professional, I just start, I start getting used to like, I start getting used to the game, you know, like I understand where I can be effective. I understand how stuff works, how different guys play. Um, and like you said, after seeing me in 2016 with no professional experience, and then you give me two years uh, seeing me in, in the SAC G League and then Summer League, or sorry, SAC, SAC Summer League in, in Vegas, I just understood the game better. You know, like I understood that that I thrive in transition. Um, I'm a really good defender. I'm a great teammate. And, you know, I just tried to be really, really good at those things. And then obviously I'm continually to this day working on the other stuff that I need to get better at. And that's just... That's part of that G League chip on your shoulder of, of, you know, continuing to grind and continuing to want to get better. But yeah, a lot of it, man, is just experience. I want to ask you about about your defense. First off, I'm curious how much you feel like respect or reputation that has changed since you first came in the league. Um, <laughs> I've experienced it from being a, a young player that probably yeah. not many people know about with our complexion, uh, what, what comes with that. And, but now you, you've, you've really grown to be like considered one, in my opinion, one of the, the best perimeter defenders in the NBA have you seen, I, I got to imagine there's been a huge shift in like, whether it be referees giving you a little bit more of a leeway with being physical or just maybe people like calling you out a little bit less in like ISO situations. Have you seen yeah. that? Has there been like a noticeable difference for that? You know, it's it's crazy because that's literally what it used to be when I got on the court. All it right. was like, I was the, I was the, yo, bring him into the ball screen. I was the, okay, ISO that guy. Uh, and honestly, I think that's kind of what's helped me become such a better defender and good defender that I am today is like just getting reps at it. And like once you get over the initial like I don't even say nervousness, but just like hesitation of, of playing your game, like it's, it's just basketball at the end of the day. And man, for me, uh, defense has always come easy for me. Like I just love I don't know. I love stopping other people or like frustrating other guys and uh yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely seen some uh, some opinions change over the last couple of years. But, you know, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, there's still the elite that that don't care who's in front of them that that aren't going to it's not really making a difference. But, uh, you know, when I coming out of timeouts, I'm taking my little jog up the court to go pick up the ball full court. You, you get a couple deep sighs or a heavy eye roll. And, and yeah. they just I think people understand now that that that's what i'm about and if you play me that's you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to work no that's that's real man i mean i've i've experienced the the, the other end of it, that yeah it's crazy uh, it's like a, it's literally like a vet vibe check like like lebron does this to guys too like if if lebron does it a lot of the older older vets in the nba do it to where like if they don't really know who you are and you haven't played in the nba for a while you gotta prove that that you can you can hoop a little bit and that's that's kind of what happens when you when you come in. Like I'm sure, like you've always been a shooter. Like you've always been a score shooter as a player. And I'm sure when you came in, like 
guys were like letting you shoot still and it's like it, yes. it doesn't make any sense but that's just part of it's weird how that's part of the nba culture but but yeah that's that's definitely a thing well that that's what i was going to follow up with is that early on that like it played into my hand a little bit because like guys would guard me and be like man like loose coverage you know yeah. what i mean like like I'll, I'll i'll help out like i'll be in the paint mm-hmm. be that third defender on everything and it like played in my hand because i got open shots so I, I was gonna ask you do you feel that that played into your hand a little bit of like all right like this dude's gonna put me on an island like <laughs> good like here we go like this is what i do it, yeah i mean i'm i I'm confident in myself, man. You know, like I, I've, I've guarded a lot of really good players and obviously, you know, the more I do it, the, the higher my confidence grows. But, uh, a lot of it, man, is just preparation. Like once I go out there, like I've read the scouting report, I know this guy likes to go left more and more often than not. So I, I play that, like understanding the scheme of our team, like all of it, it's such a mental game for me. Like I'm, I'm already thinking two or three things before they even make their move on, on offense that, uh, you know, for me, I'm not even thinking about, all right, I hope this guy doesn't score. Like, what is everybody going to think if he, if he makes three, three shots in a row? It's like, I just got a short, short attention span and, and short memory and, and, and just compete every play. And, and most of the time it works out for me. Yeah. That's, that's something that has helped me is that, and once again, like you're known for your defense. So it, it's probably a very different mentality, but it's something that's helped me is that like, you can play great defense and it's still the best players in the world. Like guys are score st- sometimes. Yeah. They're still yeah. going to make plays. They're going to hit ridiculous shots where it honestly wouldn't matter what you could have done, but they're still going to, they're still going to get theirs in some cases. That That's part of, that's part of playing defense in NBA too. That people don't realize is like you, you can play phenomenal defense, like cut them off, cut off the first move, cut off the counter, stay down on the pump fake after the counter then they shoot a fadeaway over you and make it. It's like, all right, well, you can have two points like or three points. Like, I just got to try on the next one. And uh, You know, it's crazy. The, the play that kind of helped shape that for me was in the finals, uh, maybe 2017 or 16. It was the Warriors and the Cavs, and Kyrie was ISOing on Clay. And Clay for me, is like, at the time, he was like the premier, like, two guard defender, like guy, you put on somebody to shut him down. And he did exactly that. Like Kyrie made the move, went right. He cut him off, went behind his back, step back, pump fake, pump fake, shot, shot the re like shot the ball. saw the replays, like fingertips touching his fingertips and he makes it. And I'm just like, all right, if that dude's like the best defender in the league and he's getting scored on sometimes, it's like, sometimes you just tip your cap and like, all right, live to see another day. Right, right. Just make them earn them, um, which you certainly do. I, I want to ask you about, obviously, I, I'm sure everything on the court has changed for you drastically in the last couple of years. I'm assuming off the court, everything, you know, things have changed. I'm sure some things have stayed the same. But have the has the attention, the the viral moments, the, I mean, LA is a crazy fan base as is. So just that, that constant wow. kind of pressured noise, you know, if you're going out in public, whatever it is, has that been normalized at all? Or is that like, do you still get that? And you're like, damn, that's crazy. Like that's, that's really me on Twitter that everyone's talking about or That's me, you know, going down the street and, and people just are like stopping me for photos. Does that ever get normal or is it still just kind of weird and strange? You know, it's, it's kind of, I'd say, I'd say both, you know, I think there's some days where it's a little more normal and some days where I'm, I'm kind of caught off guard, you know, cause I mean, for me, 
I mean, you, you can attest this too. It's like, we still live our lives. Like I'm, I'm just Alex and you're just dunking. Like you just, when you go to the store, you go get food, like go to Best Buy. Like I'm just living my life. And then these people, like they see you on TV or they see you on social media and they, they, you know, in their head, build you up to be this like incredible person or something. So they like want to take a picture or something. I'm never going to be the guy to say no. You know, I'm a nice guy. I always, I always, I mean, fans are great. Like missing, I've missed the fans so much, you know, with COVID not, not having fans in, in the stadium. That's been, that's been like the biggest myth for me. Uh, so, you know, anytime someone stops me or wants to, wants to say hi or something, I always do. But uh, I, I think some days it's just different. You know, some days I'm, I'm like all humans. Like some days I just don't want to talk to people. You know, some days I feel like it's, it's a, it's been a rough morning or I'm, I'm thinking about something else going on in, in, in life and, and I'd rather not talk to people, but you know, I think that just comes with a job, you know, that comes with, with, with one being an NBA player, but two playing for the Lakers, you know, the, the Laker fans are, are in the best way possible insane. You know, they're, they, they're, they're ride or die. They, they all think that they're basketball experts and, and it's all in the, the purest form of, of just wanting to have success for, for, uh, for the team. But yeah, man, I mean, I, I'm trying to be a normal person as much as I can. Cause that's how I feel when I'm not wearing a Lakers Jersey or hanging out with the team. Like, I, I feel like I'm just a normal person still. Like I go play golf and, and I'll like, I'll like, this is a good example. Like pre COVID, like I, I, I would find a tea time by myself, like meet up, go play a random course. And there's like these three random people and like, they have no idea who I am. I'm like, this is great. Like, I'm just going to go enjoy my afternoon of golf. And I love it. Y'all, y'all have a good round. I'll have a good round and I'll be about my way. I love it. I, I, uh, I've definitely, I've definitely done the same thing. I, people ask me that type of stuff. And first of all, I don't get nearly, the attention that that you get no like i'm i I stay like pretty anonymous in miami which i i enjoy it's a blessing Um, and a curse man i tell you yeah yeah no i I hear you on that um but like my my response to to the those types of questions is the same thing like i literally outside of like playing basketball at 7 30 occasionally on nights like it's just like a i live like an incredibly normal pretty like unexciting like as davis can attest to um <laughs> but yeah it's 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 just funny man people get like misconstrued in their mind that that it's something other than that um you know you but, know what helps me do that too is my my boys back home we have a group text and, and like they send me more of like the memes and like the videos and like they have more fun with it than i do like i i at this point there's been so many that i just kind of ignore it and like move move along but like if there's some good ones they'll send it in there and like they'll they'll roast me a little bit and get after it. And that's, you know, that's what, that's what helps keep me, uh, you know, mentally, mentally normal. So Alex, I'm that you saying there are times where you don't want to talk to people. It makes me, uh, remember, I think on JJ's podcast, you mentioned in the bubble elevator rides are awkward for like most people. Like if you get on an elevator and no one knows whether they're supposed to <laughs> talk or not. But yeah, there's a story about how after, I think it was game one, you guys had just, uh, you know, kind of had your way with Miami. And then you're all in the same bubble, right? You're all staying in the same places. So you get on an elevator uh, with Duncan. I imagine mm-hmm. that has to be the most awkward elevator ride of all time. 
not as much awkward i just didn't know what to say it's like i'm in the middle of like the biggest competition we're both in the middle of the biggest competition like of our lives right up to this date and and I know he's probably pissed and upset because they lost the other day and I'm like kind of in a decent headspace because we played well and got the win. And I don't want to say good luck because I don't want him to win, but like, <laughs> like I, it was just, it was just like a loss for words. I didn't know what to say at the time. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a long 30 seconds. Cause obviously yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was saying, I know I mean, you and like you were it, to practice or something. And I was yeah. like coming back from our meeting, getting ready to get treatment. Yeah, man, it's the bubble was full of like those types of interactions where it was like as long as we wild. weren't as long as we weren't playing in a series, I would I would always say hi, especially if I like yeah. if I had a connection to someone. Obviously, you know we we knew each other a little bit, um, but that was one of those where it was like I was just so pissed about how game one had, had gone <laughs> for a variety of reasons. You know, I I played terribly. I was basically a no show. We got smacked. We got blew out, and like. Of course, it's it's just you and and like I want to say hi to you because you know like yeah, we're yeah, we're yeah, cool yeah. and like we whatever. But it was I just one of those. Best. I tried my best. I promise. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those where it's like, you know, man, I just can't. Like you just yeah, gotta, it's just like just gotta right, break through this one. See you at the end of the road. You guys, uh, you guys talked about and Dun I, Duncan, I've heard you talk about this, and Alex, you talked about it earlier. How the game kind of slows down as you get more and more experience. Mm -hmm. I imagine a finals run you know, playing in three, four you know, hard fought series just speeds that up even more infinitely. Have you guys both seen this year that after that experience, the game just sort of slows down even more? Is there a different perspective now that you've made that push? You've made that run? Yeah, definitely, dude. I, I mean, the, the, like I said earlier with, with like my career at each level, like the more experience I get, the better I play, the more I understand the game. And, you know, going through the playoffs, man, the playoffs are so addicting. It's so much fun. It's so much fun to play in the playoffs because everything is, like, intense. Everything matters. Uh, not saying the regular season doesn't matter, but but there's definitely not the same attention to detail. Uh, there's not the same intensity. There's not the same, you know, do-or-die mentality that you get with the playoffs. Um, and honestly, man, like like, looking back and, like, now, like, in the regular season, like, these games are, like, I'm like, I'm like, these are fun. Like I like playing, playing basketball in the NBA for sure, but I cannot wait to get to the playoffs again. Like that, that, that's like, I, uh, Rondo, one of my, one of my favorite teammates, just cause he's such a great guy to compete with. Um, you know, he kind of gets a bad rap because, you know, he, he was like hit or miss in the, in the regular season. And I never really understood why. And then, you know, you, you hear the playoff Rondo, uh, you know, you, you hear that and then it, he actually shows up and does it and like, I 100% understand what what that is now. It's like he he's such a competitor. He's he's the most competitive person I've ever been around. He's such a competitor that that like after so many seasons in the league and playing so many regular season games, like all he wants to do is win the championship. And it's like it doesn't matter until you get to the playoffs anyway for him. So like seeing him in his element and then come out and play like that, it's like that it clicked for me. It's like okay, I understand now. Yeah, uh, totally, totally can relate to that. I, I think that it's just such like elite competition. I mean, you said in there like every single detail, every single po like possession, every single thing going into a game, into the game during the game matters to the point where like I just think it reveals like who is who has that like competitive spirit, that competitive grit. Like, hundred percent. It's so like I'm not trying to get like too too. <laughs> 
too like wordy with but like it's just like such like raw competition i can't explain it any other way than that that it just it like taps into that in my opinion what what i like love most about basketball is is just like feeling that and, and being like entrenched against two really good teams that are both just like trying to execute and compete at the highest level um but you said i mean now you know, the game now is like for sure, just because of that slowed down, just because the sense of urgency in those playoff series are so yeah. high, like every single possession, every single action, it just feels like literally like life or death. Obviously it's not because it's still basketball, but when you're in it and like, it's, it's your whole world. And like, that's the only thing you think about. It feels that way. At least it did, did yeah. for me, like, especially when we were going through it. I like what you said about like, it's like, it's like, it's you, you figure out, what what players are like really really about their life like you you can tell like who who at the end of the day is like not afraid to like let them hang and go out there and just compete lay it all on the table and 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 you know get after it that's for me man that's that's what basketball for me has always been about you know that that's just kind of how I grew up learning to play the game that's that's what I watched from you know the the generations before us so I thought that's what it was about and and to be able to do that with the best players in the world, uh, yeah, it's just special, man. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, so we basically to to wrap up, we we're we're going to try to ask every guest a similar sort of question. Um, so a question we have for you was if you had to pick a specific experience or a moment or maybe it'd be an interaction between a coach or a friend or, or anything that had the greatest impact on your career, you know, kind of like a turning point, a springboard um, or something of that sort. Is, is there one moment or maybe multiple that really stick out to you when you look back and are like, yeah, that was, that was big for, for my career, my development, my trajectory that I, that I've now been on. Yeah, I got two two that that glaringly come to mind. Uh, one was when I was in college at the end of my sophomore year. Uh, Kyle Keller, who's who's the head coach at SFA now, uh, he was he's the guy who recruited me through through high school, and uh, so I had a really good relationship with him, and and he was really open and, and pretty straightforward with me. And he sat me down after my sophomore year and, and just basically like laid out all this stuff on a piece of paper, and like one side was like all the stuff I did in college, like play video games, like go out with friends, like play golf, stuff like that. And the other side was like all these things that tie in with like professional basketball and the NBA. And he basically told me, it's like, if you put in the time and work, like all this stuff on the right side of the paper is achievable. It's like, if you continue to do what you do and just enjoy college and enjoy playing basketball here at a and it's like, you have a good career and you'll enjoy it, but this will stuff on this side will be, it'll be the maximum of what you can do. And that, that really opened my eyes to like working hard, when when nobody's watching and, and and making sure you get it done and and then the second one was my first year in Oklahoma City the the, the blue uh, Mark Dagnall now the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, big shout out to, shout out to Mark he's still a good mentor and, and friend of mine he had this saying called uh, be where your feet are right so thirty seconds on the clock before every practice in the G League we just sat on the sideline complete silence and he ran the clock and you were present, made sure you were there. And for me, uh, especially on the two-way contract and then moving forward, you know, even in the NBA now, it's like, whatever I'm going to do, I got to be present in the moment. You know, if that's, if that's working out at 
8 a.m. That's working out at 8 a.m. If that's playing in the finals at 6 p.m., that's playing in the finals at 6 p.m. If that's recovery and, and, and watching film, that's what it is. And, and just really being present in the moment, uh, that, that's really helped shape my career and, and shape me as a person just to kind of, you know, move forward and try and try and advance, try and try and advance my career, advance myself as a, as a, as a human being. I, uh, I love that. And, you know, I, I think you could probably relate to this in that people ask me a lot, like division three players will ask me or like high school players who aren't getting recruited. It's like, you know, how did you get to Michigan or like, how, how do you get to the NBA? And so much of it, I, I try to like tell them and people don't really understand it, but it's like, you can't, you can't like forecast this stuff. Like you can keep it like as the goalpost, like way down the line as in like, this yeah. is my ultimate goal and this is what I'm working towards. But like, if you're waking up every day as a high schooler, who's like not playing or not getting recruited and you're like, you know, I want to go play in the big 10 or I want to go play in the sec, like, or I want to play in the NBA. Like, it's great to have those, but it's just not going to be sustainable. What it should be is exactly what you said is like, be where I am, like excel where I am. Let me get on the floor in high school. Let me, let me parlay, you know, my 10 minutes into 25, you know, my, my role reserved to a starter and slowly start to build that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. The the thirty seconds on the clock, be where your feet are. Um, couldn't couldn't agree more. I, I I love that for sure. Yeah, that's the those two things, man. Those two things have really carried me throughout my career. And then, like I said, you know, just being a good human. Yeah, that certainly matters, for sure. That's hard sometimes. Very hard sometimes. <laughs> like I tell you, those days you don't know, feel like talking to people. It's hard to be a good human, you, especially you with to. all those all those vices you have in LA. I mean, Miami's the same way. So right, yeah. yeah, it's a dangerous world out there. It's a dangerous world. So I actually lied. That's the last question. We actually have a segment to okay, tie this to tie this whole thing together. Um, I know you've been on JJ's pod, so you know he has a drafted like a draft, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So you and I both actually, and Davis for that matter, uh, did not have the luxury of being drafted. So we have mm. an undrafted segment. Nice. Okay. So this is, we're going to give you three different topics and all you have to do is pick one thing that is like the overlooked, the undervalued, the, you know, the okay. undrafted of that, of Got that you. category. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ask the first one and it's going to be, Give me a player in the NBA who you feel is overlooked, doesn't get the credit that he deserves, uh, you know, isn't talked about in the media, whatever. But you think just night in and night out, or every time you've maybe played against him, he's he's really brought it. I'm gonna make up a rule. It can't be a teammate. Can't be a okay, teammate. Okay. Okay. Wait. Does this person have to be undrafted, or this no. is just a person in general? Okay, no. Gotcha. Could, they could be the number one overall pick. Doesn't matter. Um. Night in, night out. That doesn't get the attention they deserve. Um, you know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, Shay Gilgis Alexander. I think that dude is an extremely talented basketball player. Um, and even last year, you know, I think he didn't quite get the credit he deserved. But that dude, that dude, night in, night out, just brings him in. No, he's he's tough. He, uh, I was looking at some stat the other day. That I think he leads the league in in paint touches. Like he always, always gets to the paint. He just finds yeah. a way. He's super crafty. That's a special skill. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, all right. I'm going to ask the next one. I was doing a little research before this, and it seems like you're a pretty big office guy. Oh, yeah. So Huge. I'm going to ask you, who's the underappreciated character 
in that show. So it can't be like it can't be like Michael Scott. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's got to be sure. like right. Uh, I I think it's Creed Bratton. I think that's uh, couldn't agree more. I was I was gonna lean towards Kevin, but I feel like Kevin's too mainstream. I feel like Creed is the true undrafted, underappreciated member of the group. He always has that one one part of like every other episode where he comes in and he's and it's a it kills every time. Every time, could not agree more. That's 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 honestly the right selection there, there for yeah, this yeah. question. In that topic, there's a right and wrong, and you chose. That correctly. was kind of a setup. Huh? That was like a true <laughs> test to see if I actually watched The Office or not. Yeah, you it passed. really was. I also like. Uh, I also like uh, Dwight's brother. I think Dwight's oh, brother. Moses. Moses is a good choice. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Moses is a good choice. Yeah, that's that's still the wrong answer though, Dave. It, yeah, um, it's, it's a good backup. <laughs> All right, the last one we got is is a book that maybe you've you've read it are reading have read at some point that uh, you feel has you know provided value in your life. Doesn't have to be like a self help type book. Could could be anything. Yeah, this uh, uh, book called well, it's it's there are two books, but both by uh, Jesse Itzler called "Living with a Seal" and "Living with Monks." Uh, Jesse is actually a part owner of the Hawks. Um, and he's like wildly successful entrepreneur. Um, uh, I, he last year at the Hawks game, he's sitting courtside with his, his, his sons. And I went up and introduced myself because I knew who he was. I knew his story, uh, shook his hand. And of course, one of our, our strength coaches who, who knew everybody uh, was friends with him. And he got Jesse to send me a couple of his books and Jesse being the great person, human and, and entrepreneurial, you know, mindset that he has signed him, wrote a little message. And then I read him and, they're both just really good. They're both, they're both really good books about, uh, one mindfulness, the living with monks was really about mindfulness and kind of, you know, figuring out who you are and your purpose and then living with the seal, uh, without giving too much away. If you know who David Goggins is, he, I was to say, yeah, it's for the Goggins, yeah, right? Yeah. He had Goggins yeah. come and live with him for a month, some crazy stories in that, but really just about, you know, doing stuff that, that makes you uncomfortable and, 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 pushing the limits to see, see how far you can go as a, as a person. Those, those two things. I mean, those, those books have been really, really good for me. No, Goggins is a savage a animal. Dude, if, if I'm having like a slow, a slow Tuesday and I want to ramp it up, just go right to the Goggins videos. Just for get sure. you, just get see you him in with that your shirt place. off jogging in the middle of the desert talking <laughs> about stay hard. Yeah. Absolute animal. Later. Um, all right, man. Well, that's awesome. Uh, really, really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're obviously plenty busy, um, but, but thanks for taking the time. And I, I, I'm sure that people are really going to enjoy the, the insight that you've given. So appreciate course, you, man. uh, you hopping on and, um, good luck moving forward. Appreciate it. Duncan, I'll see you down the road. We'll talk again soon, guys.